Hello and welcome to We Will Talk About It, the Supernatural Rewatch podcast where we watch one episode every week, spoiler free. I'm Megan. I'm Kat. And this week we are watching season one, episode 11, Scarecrow. Mm, it's a good episode. It's one of my favourites. I... You said you had some feelings. I'm leaning in. I have a lot to say about this episode. Fantastic. Like, I have a lot to say about this episode. Okay. I don't... I hate scarecrows. They scare me mm. too much, but I'll talk about why. But firstly, I kind of wanted to ask you. Yes. Have you ever heard of Neil Gaiman? Is that the janitor out of Scrubs? <laughs> Sorry, Megan is like closing her eyes like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> the name is, I mean, I say it, it sounds familiar and nine times out of ten, it's never familiar. Would I know this person based on our friendship and your knowledge of me? You actually might. Oh. oh. So Neil Gaiman is a writer. Okay. And even if you don't know him, yep. you know the things that he's written. Uh-huh. Because he wrote Coraline. He wrote Good Omens. Uh, he wrote Oh, Star- my God, Good Omens. He wrote Stardust. He wrote Sandman, which included the character of Lucifer, who is now in the TV show Lucifer. On Netflix, that's My based on Neil Gaiman's interpretation of Lucifer in the Sandman comics. The Eternals, the Marvel movie that's coming out, the one with Angelina Jolie, he wrote that comic for Marvel. What? So, yeah, a lot of things. So he's a prolific writer. He's probably one of my favourite writers and hence, ever. I'm guessing he wrote this episode? He absolutely did not. He never wrote an episode for... Supernatural? Supernatural. He did okay. write an episode for Doctor Who. Oh, I mean. He wrote... Uh, I think it's called The Doctor's Wife, the one where the TARDIS comes to life. He wrote that episode. I'm sorry. I'm just like really like um, mouth is open. Yeah. People can't see it. Mouth is open. Okay. So segue. I promise there's a segue in here. Okay. Okay. I'm like segue. I'm like, okay, if you didn't write the episode, and obviously I do know him because Good Omens, like Mm -hmm. like, sidebar, please see that. It is Mm -hmm. amazing. Like if you don't have like Amazon Prime, Mm -hmm. if you can get a free trial, do it because just for that alone. Yeah. It is a great show. I w- I'm glad that they – it's a limited series. I wish I had more, but at the same time, it's beautifully written. Yes. And it was written by him and Terry Pratchett, who sadly has passed away and passed mm. away many years ago. Yeah. And uh, Neil really poured his heart into Good Omens to make sure that it honoured Terry's memory. So, Oh, it's beautiful. It's a great show. And, yeah. I mean, David Tennant. I'm just – Yes. David, David Tennant. Tennant playing a demon is oh, a lot of a things. A sassy demon at that. It's great is a lot of things that I like in this world. And yep. uh, Michael Sheen, who is incredible in everything he does. Of course. The thing I want to talk about specifically, one of Neil Gaiman's probably most famous books, which is American Gods. Oh, yes, which is also based, which is the t- the premise for the TV show. Yes. Have yes. you seen the TV show? I've seen one episode. It does look interesting. I just couldn't get into it, but potentially because I was not paying attention. That seems, me. seems likely. If you haven't seen American, read American Gods, I 100% recommend that you read it. It is an incredible book. I'm going to try and talk about it without spoiling it because I think it is worth re- having a spoiler-free experience. The TV show is really good. The mm-hmm. first season in particular is phenomenal. Gillian Anderson is in it. Oh, of it's course. He's a babe. Just probably my favorite of her performances. And oh, wow. I say this as someone who loves Dana Scully. Her in American Gods was a just outstanding performance by Gillian Anderson. I'm not going to tell you what character she plays, but American Gods really let me, okay, let me back up and talk you through my experience with this. Okay. 
when I, in 2005, when I first saw, or 2006, sorry, when I first saw this episode of Scarecrow, I hadn't heard of Neil Gaiman. I hadn't read any of his works. He had been around for many years by that stage, mm. but I just had happened to not come across him. Okay. By 2014, the second time I kind of watched everything when I kind of got back into Supernatural, mm-hmm. um, I had read a lot of his work and uh-huh. in particular American Gods. And this episode had a lot of elements in it that reminded me of American Gods. Uh-huh. I just thought it was me. Like I didn't really see a connection aside from the connection I was making myself until I started researching this podcast. Uh-huh. And at that point, I was doing the research and it turns out Eric Kripke is a massive fan of Neil Gaiman. Uh, and in particular, American Gods was influence on Supernatural because American Gods is really about American road trips and the American experience and, and the idea of this of this melting pot of cultures, of being being a place of immigration and of migration and what happens when all these cultures come together and what happens to their gods when they all come together, like... Uh All of this stuff, all of these themes really play out in American Gods and understanding that intentionally there's layers of that in Supernatural was such a massive enhancer for me of my experience of watching Supernatural. So if you haven't read American Gods, I highly recommend it. I actually think it's like mandatory reading. If you like Supernatural, Mm. I think that it is a companion to reading, to watching Supernatural and to understanding this world. There is definitely layers of Neil Gaiman in the plot of this episode. Got you. Which I'm not going to talk about in more detail because, again, I really want, if you've not read it before, to have that experience of having a spoiler-free read of American Gods. Yeah. Um, It's an amazing book. I'm not going to do that. I might just do the audio book, not going to lie. I think the audio book is read by someone really good. Oh, awesome. From memory. But let's get into the actual episode. Yes, let's do so we open on Burkittsville in Indiana. Mm-hmm. We've got a very sweet, helpful, small Gorgeous town. Uh, a, fam- a couple uh, got lost mm-hmm. and they're helping them back on their way. They give them some apple pie on the- as they go out of town. Right now, <laughs> but also adorable. The, the town, the, mm-hmm. what we see of the town first up is quite cute. Yes. It's, it's what I expect back, you know, towns mm-hmm. in America to look like, like little towns to look like. Yes, so they tell the couple how to get back onto the interstate mm-hmm. and uh, send them on their way. And, of course, <laughs> the couple's car breaks down as they're trying to follow those directions. On an orchard road. Who would have thought as they've just had apple pie on an orchard road? Exactly. And so they go to investigate to try and find how to find, find help. They think they see a house and they start walking through the orchard. At this point, <laughs> yes. my notes yes. turn into this. Legit, fuck this. Erg, I hate scarecrows. Fuck this. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Well, mine are not as much. I'm just like, what a creepy field. Maybe don't go in there. Yeah. <laughs> so they see a scarecrow from just nightmare scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Seeing that scarecrow, like, I'm indifferent to scarecrows. I... I don't like them in the sense that they don't do anything. They don't scare the crow mm-hmm. um, because crows are just like, what up? Oh, yeah, you've just pop, like, cut out a pumpkin head and shoved some hay in some old clothes and here you go. It's mm-hmm. the – yeah, it, it, they, don't, they don't scare the crow. They don't do the thing that they're named after. Mm-hmm. When I walked up, I'm like, in the dark, I'd be like, you know what? Just going to go wait in the car. Mm-hmm. 
maybe walk back the opposite direction I came where I know there's people versus running through an orchard where you may or may not see lights. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my my like suggestion. Mm-hmm. Like go to where you know there are human like the civilization where mm-hmm. where you just come from. <laughs> you know, return yeah. from whence you came. Very true. So as they're walking through the orchard, they see a scarecrow and it's a truly nightmarish scarecrow. It and- really is a face. And I just, I hate scarecrows mm. and I need to take you all on a bit of a journey about okay, scarecrows. Finally. Megan has been teasing this for yes. the last couple of weeks <laughs> and I'm like, let me take you on a journey, the journey that I went on. To <laughs> so you discover that you do not, you are scared of the scarecrows. I hate scarecrows yep. because when I was 14 years old okay. and just everyone remember that I hate horror films. I don't mm. like watching them. I actively avoid seeing them. I will watch kind of classic horror films yeah. or kind campy of ones. campy ones. Um, but, <laughs> Big rates. But anything that was made after the year 2000, I'm going to avoid like the plague because it's just – so when I was 14 years old, yep. I went and saw the frankly terrible but still terrifying to me horror film, mm. Jeepers Creepers 2. <gasps> so obviously I was 14. It's M- It would have been MA15+. plus. So I snuck – we would have snuck in to see it because we were 14 and we yep. weren't allowed to see it. Nope. And for good reasons, it terrified me beyond all belief. Like I, like the the core of it is like school bus full of kids, and yep. then the bad, the creeper is a scarecrow? Question mark. Um, he Mothman, was pretending, something? pretending to be a scarecrow. He comes alive every twenty seven years, murders a bunch of people, and then goes back to sleep. And I am not kidding. I could not sleep for a week after that film. Ooh, yeah. Like I was so scared mm-hmm. of scarecrows mm. after that. And so that's where it came from. And then this episode came Didn't out help. and it did not help because it's mm. genuinely frightening. It's genuinely scary. But when I was doing the research for this podcast, I was trying to remember, I was like, did I see this episode first or was Jeepers Creepers first? Like what was the order of events? Yep. This was before I had worked it out because I was 14. I would have been 14. And so I looked it up. And do you know who was in Jeepers Creepers 2? No. Nikki Acox, who plays Meg in this episode. Oh, my God, She yes. was in Jeepers Creepers 2. Oh, there you go. I mean, segue. So how, how crazy is that? that I she's, mean, they were like airports. Like how crazy is that, that she was in Jeepers Creepers 2 and then she was also in this particular episode, episode. of Supernatural? So, yeah, so I just thought that was like a crazy connection that she was in both Jeepers Creepers 2, which was about a scarecrow, and then also this particular episode, episode. of yeah, Supernatural. Yeah, I mean, and then links in the, tri- the trifecta there is the common denominator is you really hate scarecrows and it stemmed from that particular seeing of Jeepers mm-hmm. Creepers 2 yeah. feeds into this. So, yeah, so that's why I yeah. hate scarecrows and I'm very, very, very scared of them. Yeah, and that's cold. why this episode was a big, particularly when I was 17, less so now because I've seen it so many times, but when I was 17, first saw this, <laughs> I was so scared. Threw so they're back. walking through the orchard. Mm. They see this scarecrow. They're like, oh, that's creepy. And as they're walking away, the scarecrow turns to look at the woman. Mm. And she freaks. she freaks out. She's like, Correct. let's just... Like get, let's just get to mm. help. Like, let's just leave. Mm. They're running or they're walking really fast through the orchard. They hear something. They get chased. They get separated. She trips over something eventually. She mm. turns and it's her boyfriend's, like, body and his skin has been, like, peeled off his his face and she screams and then she gets attacked and that is the cold open to the yeah. episode. Also, on mm. my notes, when they're running, because obviously the way they filmed it, 
it looks like they're fake running. Like it looks like they're doing a bit of a I'm running on the spot. <laughs> it looks very hilarious. And I, that was a out of that whole scene, I was like, that's the only thing I took away from. I was like, do they look like they they were uh, fake running? <laughs> yes. So I before think- we go any further. I'm yes. going to tell you who wrote this episode Excellent. and also who directed this episode. Fantastic. So this the story is by Patrick Sean Smith mm-hmm. and then the teleplay is by John Shaban, who's written a couple of episodes already mm-hmm. um, and it's directed by our boy Kim Manners. Yep. He's back. He's an etra. Yeah, so it, the, the horror elements and the really scary elements, mm. I feel like this is where Kim Manners really shines. Um, he's really got such a grasp of how to make something really scary and oh, really yeah. heart racing. Um, but now we cut back to the end of Asylum, yep. which we were talking about last week, where the phone is ringing, Sam picks up the phone, and it's Dad. Yep, and we're back to Dad. My, mm-hmm. my next night after my, were they fake running, was, and it's Dad on the phone. Mm-hmm. And Sam is immediately, he's got 100 questions for John. He's, she's, he's trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. John explains that he is fine, that he's hunting the thing that killed yep. their mum. And also Jess, he says he heard about what happened to Jess and he's really sorry. sorry. And he Sincerely, it sounds very sincere. Very sincere. He, mm. you know, he said he wished he, he would have done anything to prevent that from being part of Sam's mm. life. And we finally hear what Dad's hunting. We finally hear that he thinks the thing that killed Mum was a demon. Mm, yep. Which has been really hard to not spoil oh boy, we up know. until this point. <laughs> We've been like, the thing Dad's hunting. And the thing we, they don't know what killed their mum. It could be a poltergeist. It could it could be a spooky freak, you know, spooky freaky ghost. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Turns out demon, which mm-hmm. tracks. Yeah. So Sam is really determined. She really wants John. Mm. He really wants to go to John. He really wants to help with what's happening. Yeah. John is like, no, I need you to note down these names. I need you to do this. And Sam's like, no, I ref- like I'm not doing this. I'm. Yep. I need to come. I need to help mm. you catch this demon that you're telling me killed mum and killed Jess. and Dean's now woken up. Dean's woken up. John is saying, look, I've given you an order Mm. that you need to follow. Yep. And Sam is arguing. Eventually Dean takes the phone off of him and, of course, immediately is. Yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir, talking to dad, taking down the names Mm -hmm. while Sam is kind of angry in the corner. And frustrated and like, dad, no. And it's very much you can. What we've been building up on these last like these last mm-hmm. few episodes, which mainly the season that we've been following, is that there is a clear delineation of Sam does Sam, and Sam was like, "No, I want to help. This is my mission. You're getting in the way." I mean, he's essentially similar to his father because his dad's on a mission too, mm-hmm. and he's headstrong and he's sticking to mm-hmm. his mission. And Sam's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And in Sam's head, he's like, "I'm different to Dad." It's like, mm-hmm. "Well, technically, you're not because you're doing the mm-hmm. same thing that your dad's doing." And I think you find that a lot of time in um, sort of parent-child relationships that mm. the, the child that's the most similar to the parent will often butt heads the most. Oh, yeah. Because they're so similar that mm-hmm. they uh, just will butt heads on everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean has noted down the names. It's an, it's a set of couples, including the couple that we saw in the cold open, and they've all disappeared around the same time um, yep. in April. The, in April in the same part of the world. Uh, or the same part of the USA, mm-hmm. and that it looks like they might be disappearing rather than just going missing, um, yeah. which can which can happen, particularly in a place as big as America. And at this point, also, Sam, I think, is done. He's yeah. just done with the shenanigans. He's like, you know what, it's episode 11 in my head, but for Sam, it's like, you know what, I'm done. 
Mm-hmm. It has been 22 years of this bon- mm-hmm. bonkers bullshit. I got out for, let's say, two years, mm-hmm. maybe three. Depending. There's some, some serious debate about how long Sam was gone for. <laughs> yeah, like I, undetermined is uh, generally my answer for things I don't know. Undetermined. Undetermined amount of time. And I think Sam is just like, my bullshit like meter is getting real close to being like overflowing. And I think it's starting to tell, especially with this particular episode. Yeah. And so they have a pretty – they have a fight about mm-hmm. – Sam wants to go to California. He's worked out that that's where dad is um, based on the payphone. Dean is like, no, he doesn't want our help. He'd ask if he wanted our help. And Sam quite rightly points out that, well, how how old were you when mum died? You were four years old. Jess has only been dead for six months. Yeah. And you're telling me that I can't go after the thing that killed killed her and I should go on this hunt instead. And they – you know, they exchange words and I think mm. the the final straw is that Dean says it's called being a good son. Which is, hmm, I have some feelings about that one. But also mm-hmm. I also wrote like Dean equals essentially I boiled down their personalities or their main goal in life is, at this particular point in time is that Dean just wants to help people and listen to dad. Sam just wants to find find their dad so then he can help to get the thing that got Jess. Mm-hmm. That's where they're at. Like, if we're going to boil them down to a sentence, yeah, that's where we're at. I also think, though, that I feel like this has been boiling to the surface oh, yes. over the last few episodes, ever oh, since yeah. Home and even before that. And skin. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the differences between what their sort of goals are and what yeah, they want to do. And I think that this has kind of hit a point of no return for them. Oh, yeah. And... So Sam gets out of the car, he grabs all his stuff and he is going to leave and get find a way to get to California and there's this great moment because Dean's like, I'm going to drive away, I'm going to do it. Like yeah. if you leave, then I'm driving away. I'm not going to wait for you. And there's this great moment where Sam turns around and he says, that's what I want you to do. And I just want to give Jensen some props acting-wise because he just in this really quick second – he gives this look of like kind of pain and frustration because he wants so much to not follow through mm. on driving away. Yeah. But he it's a powerful also, scene. It's great. It's it's really good. It gives them a chance to kind of spread their wings actor-wise, I think. But also spread their wings, but also in the show, it gives them time to breathe on their mm-hmm. own because I feel like they need to I think, as you said, we've had a lot of episodes where we've seen mm-hmm. their true feelings via, you know, the work they've been doing, you know, skins. We saw how, what Dean's feelings, the episode we just were in, Asylum, we've seen how Sam feels. Mm-hmm. And then obviously going to home. Like there's been a lot of challenging episodes where they've had their real emotions boil to the surface and it's never simmered back down. And it's good that they're getting a break, but I just don't like how, it, like I don't like, how, I mean, it's meant to be dramatic, right? It's yes. meant to set the scene. So for me, I'm like, I get it. But also you're very right. Like there is a point where Dean looks at him and it's, mm-hmm. I think we can all understand because we've all probably given that look in an argument like you're now forcing my hand to do the thing because I need mm-hmm. to follow through because I'm the tough one. Yeah. So the fact that Sam's just like so flippant like, yeah, I want you to go. And it's like, oh, God damn, mm-hmm. Samuel. So Dean continues on to Burkittsville. He continues on with the case. Mm-hmm. He... Thinks about calling Sam when he arrives, but decides against it. Yeah. Um. He decides that he isn't going to call. 
He talks to some of the locals. Uh, he's pretending to be a friend of the couple that mm. we saw in the cold opens yep. to see if they had, if anyone had seen them and he'd mm. been to a few other towns before that. Yeah. And so, but they weren't very helpful. No one seems to have seen this couple before. They're very closed, very stone-faced, like, we don't know what you're talking about. No, we don't get any visitors. What are you talking about? Yeah. We then cut this one. This episode's a lot of cutting between them two because obviously the we've not had the boys be separated. No. Really, aside from in the pilot. And but so, they weren't really separated that long. No. And so this episode is the first episode that we're really cutting between their two we're having, experiences. We have two, yeah, two storylines flowing mm-hmm. at the same time. And Sam is walking along the highway. Uh, he is waiting to see if he can hitchhike. And he walks into, well, basically trips over a girl who's... A random blondie. A random blonde girl just sitting beside the river, not the river, the road. (laughs) The road. Down by the river. uh, Listening to music and they chat for a little bit, you know. Bit of flirtation going on. Bit of flirtation going on. A van drives up and says, "Um, do you need a ride? I'm only taking her. And so only offers it to Meg. And, I mean, this really goes back to our conversation in in the pilot this do not hitchhike yeah especially if someone's like i'm only taking the girls like yeah. oh mm-hmm. you know there's there's you know there's bad murdery it's potentially her story will be on a podcast yeah you know that's yeah. what i yeah. get those vibes I'm like not this particular podcast but true crime podcast not, not our podcast okay. no no no, 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 no. <laughs> we do not cover true crime no 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 nay nay no other podcasts that cover horrible stories yes so she drives off with. But I also love how she's just so cheeky to Sam, yes. like, leans on, like, the window, like, the thing, like, I trust him more than I trust you. And it's mm-hmm. like, I was like, girl. She's got some moxie in this she episode. Got, she has some, she got some cojones. So we cut back again mm-hmm. to Dean. He's continuing to check in to try and find yep, out what happened to this couple. And he speaks to an older couple that we met in the cold open. Who provide the apple pie. Who gave the apple pie. Uh, and also their sort of adopted daughter, their, uh, I think their niece, their nieces, um, Emily. Yeah. And so the couple is called Harley and Stacy George uh, Georgeson, and they at first say no, I don't remember seeing this girl before mm. um, or either of them. And then Emily walks in, she's like, oh no, I remember them. Remember they stopped by about a year ago. And uh, I remember because of the the this tattoo, the, the guy had a very distinctive tattoo on mm. his arm, which will be relevant later yes and at that point they sort of changed their tune and they say yes but we don't remember there for more five minutes it was such a short amount of time but you're totally right um they we told them how to get out of town and they sort of tell dean which way they went so dean follows that same trail Mm. and his emf detector starts going (laughs) off i also like the fact that um when we get there it seems like all the townspeople are very cagey but they all have Mm -hmm. a job to play like Mm-hmm. I can't remember the guy who was sitting on the porch. I think was it Danny? Uh, some, something like oh, that. Oh no, Sammy's diner. It was Sammy's diner. I don't think it was Sammy. Dang it! I thought it was something like on the nose because it was a because he ran the diner and the old couple with um the nie- their niece Emily they ran like the petrol station slash mechanic slash mm-hmm. like general store sort of yeah, thing. Gen- yeah, I don't remember what his name was. Um, I didn't note it down. Neither did I. Just taking back back that everyone in the town seems very cagey, mm-hmm. but they all, I don't know, it's, it's very much like hot fuzz. Yes, that they've all got a very specific you know, role that they play yeah. in the village. Yep. And so Dean pulls over when his EMF detector goes <laughs> it's off. So It's so going off. 
and he heads into the same orchard that we see in the cold open and he sees beautiful orchard it is a beautiful orchard we see what seems at first to be the same scarecrow yep that we saw in the cold open dean calls it fugly which is <laughs> so dated but so correct. such a funny like nobody says fugly anymore for anyone no. who doesn't know for the youths that might be listening it yep. means fucking ugly yeah fugly uh and i really like that because obviously they're on i think they're on the wb still but then they moved to cw and both of those are networks that you can't swear on no and so obviously this was a really good way to get around cussing yeah and i always enjoy when shows that clearly should have cussing in them yeah like supernatural like supernatural don't have cussing and Mm. all the ways over the seasons we'll talk about it as we go through it like that they get around that a he notices something on the arm of the scarecrow and so he grabs a a ladder and gets up really close to the scarecrow which i absolutely would never do you're just like absolutely not and he notices the same distinctive tattoo is Mm. on the arm of this scarecrow as was on the Mm. arm of the guy who meant who went missing in the cold open he sure did and so dean is now aware that it seems that this scarecrow is actually the body of someone who's missing so dean heads back into town he talks a little bit more to emily um mm-hmm. and she sort of explains that her parents died in a car accident yep. and so she was taken in her by her aunt and uncle and that it's you know a very quiet town out in the boonies but yep. it's a really safe town it's a town that's really prosperous in an area that is slowly going under, yeah. um, which is a, you know. It's very fruitful, you know, fruitful, mm-hmm. fertile land. Mm-hmm. The apples are very well known. Mm-hmm. Like, And so that's obviously also a little suspicious <laughs> to yeah. Dean that this is this really prosperous town in an area that is uh, going surrounded. under. Yeah, surrounded by barren land. I, I would say more towns that are failing. Yeah, the people are, lose, people are losing, losing their the, jobs. They're yeah. moving away. We now cut back to Sam. Um, he is in a bus station. He's trying to get to bus California. Terminal, bus terminal. And he realizes that the next bus to California isn't until the next day. He also considers calling Dean but decides not to. Because he gets distracted. Well, I think he, he – he, yeah, it's sort of – Half and half. Half and half. We can't really tell what his decision was going to be because he sees Meg again. She says that the man in the van turned out to be all hands and so she uh, cut him loose is the word that she Mm. used. And he seems kind of happy to have companionship while he's Mm. waiting. Um, That isn't Dean. That isn't Dean. She also reveals that she's heading to California as well, but the next bus isn't until tomorrow. Um, again, we've got this real flirty energy mm. between the two of them. It's yes, very I'm... kind of – there's a bit of chemistry there. Sure is. And we now cut back to Dean. Mm-hmm. He has realized that there is another couple in town yep. um, whose car have broken down and he is concerned that they might be the next victims. He doesn't really know of what yet, but he's he's really worried about them. And they're in the diner. And they're in the diner. They're being fed <laughs> really well. They've got sure. lots of food. They've been given the apple pie, you know, on the house. And yes. Dean comes in. <laughs> Dean's like, I'll have a slice of that. He, he's like, I'll have black coffee and I'll have some of the apple pie. And he sort of tries to talk to this couple and essentially tries to talk them out yeah. of – like he's like, I know how to, I know my way around a car. Okay. It shouldn't take that long to fix the thing that's broken. Like you shouldn't have to wait until nightfall. I can go out and check now. And they're like, at first they're being polite. I think they're being all of us in these sorts of situations. We're like, okay, crazy, okay, man. weirdo. Um, no, we're good. Thank you. Like it's like when your car breaks down and like five different people stop and go, hey, do you need some help? And you're like, ooh, 
no, I'm going to wait for the RACQ because mm. I don't, assist for those as people. much as I'm sure you're not a murderer and you're just trying to be nice and helpful, I'm just going to wait here and wait for a professional. But thank you for your for your concern. Mm-hmm. And eventually the guy gets a little more annoyed and he's like, hey, back off. And Dean, I like Dean. He's just like, oh, my brother was here. He'd give you puppy eyes and a great story. Like yeah. he's aware of his shortcomings in terms of yeah. being able to convince people to yeah. do things. Where Dean just comes in with all his moxie, just like yeah. straight in like a wrecking ball. Yes. He's a wrecking ball this of isn't, a man. This isn't the right position for his moxie. And he, and he knows that. And he's like, damn it, Sammy. Mm-hmm. So he gets kicked out of the diner mm-hmm. by the by the cops. The, the sheriff shows up and mm. escorts him away. We then cut back to Sam and Meg. And they're they're bonding yeah. over both having kind of crappy families, families in their very uh, you know low light dimmy kind of dodgy bus terminal. Mm-hmm. I would say it's Greyhound. I assume it would be not given a name because it's no brands, sort no of brands. Situation. But it's a very they're bonding. You're seeing mm-hmm. all this the seats with the TVs on them, and mm-hmm. they're sort of crouching down against some lockers. No, they're sitting and having meal. Oh, yeah, because right. they've got yeah, beer. Remember, yeah, like the, yeah, they right. have. They've got like they've got some fries and maybe some burgers. They're having a meal, that's and right. they're bonding the over their their she, family, their situations. Meg reveals that she is, you know, trying to escape her family. They want her to be something that she doesn't want to be, yeah. and she is just trying to live her own life and go her own way, which, mm. of course, is something that Sam really identifies mm. with, particularly currently. Much, they're bonding over, as you said, bonding over some burgers. Mm-hmm. I, don't mind me. I just skipped a whole section of this episode where yeah. I'm like, <laughs> they're leaning up against some lockers. I'm like, wait, nope, that's later on. Yes, you are right. So they're leaning up, but, you know, they're having some having some briskies, mm-hmm. having a chat. She's mm-hmm. really revealing that she wants to, as you said, forge her own path and she mm-hmm. wants to go her own way. Obviously, Sam is very into that because that's Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam's doing the same thing. And yep. that's why they're... Kindred spirits, essentially. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Dean. He had been escorted out of town by the sheriff, but of course he's back because he has to save this couple. Mm-hmm. He goes to the orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, their car has broken down and they're walking around. And Dean comes in just as they're getting attacked by the scarecrow. He mm-hmm. shoots the scarecrow with rock salt mm-hmm. and basically gets them out of the orchard and uh, presumably, because we don't really see this, it happens off, off screen, but presumably repairs their car and, and gets, gets them, them out, out of town. Gets them out of town. Yep, yep. Uh, so we cut to the next day. Dean and, and Sam are talking on the phone. Mm. And I would love to know who called who. Who do we think called mm. who? Because we've seen both Dean. of them. Yeah, I think it was Dean, Dean too. I mean, Sam is, Sam is very stubborn and so is Dean, but Dean also knows when – He's bitten off more than he can chew. He's very mm-hmm. good at Dean for all, everyone's all his faults. And I'm saying in the corners, he can assess a situation and go, "No, I need help." Mm-hmm. And I also think, like, who else in the world can he talk to about being attacked by a scarecrow? Yeah, right. <laughs> aside from his brother, and aside from his father, who is not answering his phone calls. Yes, and so Sam and Dean are talking about what happened. Dean says he thinks that it is some kind of pagan god yep. that is causing this because of the cycle of it, because it's always a male and a female. It's because, before spring. Because it seems to link in with all of these kind of elements of this really prosperous town in a bad area. Sam seems a bit surprised by this, and Dean's like, bro, I actually can do this job without you, which is true. Dean he, can. And, and he has. And he has previously, so... 
I kind of appreciate that. Uh, and then Dean tells Sam and they, they apologize to each other. And Dean says he's proud of Sam and he, he really admires him. Hmm. And he asks him to please take care of himself. Yep. He's asking him to come back. No, he's not asking him to come back. He just wants to clear the air. Yeah, and it's a really sweet, genuine phone call. Mm. And Sam hangs up and Meg kind of like wakes up because this is where they're sleeping in some lockers. And she's like, oh, who was that on the phone? And and Sam says, oh, it was was my brother. She's like, oh, what do you want to say? And Sam says, I think he he just wanted to say goodbye. And I think that that's very big of Dean. Yeah. To be like... I don't need, I don't want you to come back because I know what, that you want what you want and you always go after it. And I'm really admire that in Mm. you. And so I'm not calling to beg. I'm in fact giving you that, Mm. give, not that I need, you need my permission, but telling you that I will support you. I'll support you even if it's not the same path I forge. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. But you can tell that this really impacted and really affected Sam. Oh yeah. Dean in the meantime has gone to a professor to talk to learn a bit about the uh, what might be attacking them. The now, wars. You've just started watching X Files. Did you recognize the professor? I did, but my brain is just like, I know you. And okay, so it's the cigarette smoking man. Oh, oh I'm gonna leave my microphone in my face and scream in your ears, guys. Oh my god, yeah, yes, because yeah. I'm in season two. I'm halfway through season two. Yeah. So uh, this professor is played by the cigarette smoking man, um, who does have a name, but is most commonly called the Cigarette Smoking Man in he's X-Files. Always he smokes more, um, Morley cigarettes, which is plot point, and in the X-Files. And he becomes quite a big character across the entire season seasons of the X-Files. And I, I was see sort, that. <laughs> I was kind of, and I was sort of thinking about it because the X-Files had been over for a few years, but this actor's quite well known. Um, he, I can't remember his full name. It's William something. Mm. And I was trying to think like, why would he have like, it's such a small role. It's only a few minutes Kim on Manners. screen. And that's what I think it is. Kim Manners was the director and it's not the last time that an actor got involved in an episode because yeah. of Kim Manners. Yeah. And so I think it must be because of Kim Manners. Uh, John Shaban wrote it, who was also an X-Files writer. So they probably want someone who has, you know, I guess it's like a little Easter egg. I feel like yeah, they're dropping th- little Easter eggs, people mm-hmm. who would have. I Yeah, I think that it, it's it's an Easter egg. I feel like it almost might have just been like a favor. It like Kim Manners just calling and being like, hey, I've just got this really small part, but I think it'd be really fun to have you in there. Yeah. Uh, so the Cigarette Smoking Man plays a professor who is talking about local mythology yep. and the immigration, again, linking it into mm. American gods, uh, in particular the immigration from Eastern Europe and Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of flipping through this big old book and they see a scarecrow. Yep. And Dean's like, oh, what god is that? He's like, well, it's not really a god. Um, but it's part of a group of gods called the Veneer mm-hmm. and they are sort of gods of fertility and gods of the harvest and that sort of thing. I did do a little bit of Googling, some really light Googling on the Veneer because I'm a bit of a Scandophile. I love all Scandinavian stuff. Uh, and here's, here's, what I've, here's what I found okay. about the Veneer. The Veneer are a group or Vanier maybe, are a group of gods associated with health, fertility, wisdom and the ability to see the future. The Veneer are one of two groups of gods in the North North Pantheon. That's the word I was looking for. The North Norse Pantheon. The other being the Aesir. 
basically the Aesir and the Veneer were at war with each other all the time. Eventually the Aesir won and the Veneer became like secondary to the Aesir. They were the supernatural didn't get it wrong necessarily, but they kind of underplayed who the Veneer were. Yeah. Um, if you're really interested in Norse mythology or if you want to learn more, just by chance, guess who's written a book about it? Neil Gaiman. So if you'd oh, like to twist. read. If you'd wow, like... you're really. When you said you were going to link this all together. Oh, yeah. You're sewing a blanket. I am. A blanket is. is, is and I'm not quality. done. I am not done yet. Well, that's what I mean. It's going to be good. It's going to have the fancy little pom pom edges. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that good. It's going to have little fancy edges. Yes. Dean now knows what he's dealing with and he sort of asks, how would you kill it? And the professor's like, well, gods aren't real. Yeah. But I guess, you know, there was always a sacred tree involved and, you know, and Dean's like, well, if you burned the sacred tree, what would happen? Yeah. And the professor's like, I, I don't know. Gods aren't real. Like, I don't know what to And this you. tree is not real. What are you talking about, crazy yeah. man? And so Dean obviously realises that he's kind of gone a little bit too far and he – um thanks the professor and goes to leave and then gets knocked out by the sheriff. So obviously the professor is also involved. Yes. So now we cut to a scene where all the townspeople have gotten together. They are talking about what to do. They've got Dean and they have decided to sacrifice Emily as well. It's also raining, which is apparently the start of, because they had to, they have a certain amount of wind, like a certain amount of time in window to provide a couple or provide a man and a woman to appease the god mm-hmm. or whatever, and they they make mention that mm-hmm. look, it's already starting. Like yeah. there's heaps of rain now. We shouldn't be getting heaps of rain. We need to mm-hmm. we need we need to put the you know foot down the gas. Yeah, we've gotten to like midnight tonight to get this done. Mm-hmm. And now I need to talk about why my next note says "fucking knew it, Kim Manners." I see you. Okay, sure. So in <laughs> so what I'm going to do. Hmm. is I'm going to show Kat two yes. clips yes. and then I'm going to talk about what I showed her. Okay. 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 Well then, I, I mean, cut and paste, right? <laughs> so I just showed Kat two clips. One was from this episode of Supernatural and the other is from a X-Files episode. Yes. Um, so in the scene we're talking about in Supernatural where they're deciding to sacrifice Dean and Emily, it's it's shot really close up. All the townspeople are under umbrellas and it's raining and they're talking about what to do and mm. then they decide to sacrifice Dean and Emily and mm. it ends with a crane shot pulling out. You just see the tops of the umbrellas. Mm-hmm. When I was watching it this time, I was like, huh, that really reminds me of a scene in The X-Files. Yeah. And it's an episode called, oh, my God, let me try and pronounce it. It's in German and I've been practicing saying it. Der Hand der Volatz. In this X-Files episode, basically the plot is there's a town, it's a really nice town, Mm. it's a really safe town, Mm. and some murders start happening, some ooky spooky stuff starts happening, Scully and Mulder come in to investigate, and the reason ooky spooky things have been happening and the reason it's such a safe and wonderful town is that the townspeople had made a deal with a dark force <laughs> to keep the town safe, which tell me if that sounds maybe familiar to this episode but of on, Supernatural. I wonder what they've done. So maybe did they sacrifice some things? This one, the plot is a bit different. I'm not going to go too much into the plot of this other episode. The plot is a little different. It's actually the devil and it's witchcraft, but... <laughs> It's a bit different, sure. but the core concepts are very similar. You know, you're making a deal with a dark force to have prosperity in your town. Mm. And the scene that I just showed Kat from this episode is is shot really close up. 
they're talking about sacrificing Scully and Mulder yep. to their dark to the dark force, and it's panning across them. And then at the end, the crane it is a crane shot that pulls out, and you just see the tops of umbrellas. It is the same shot. It's, it's literally a cut and paste. It's literally the same shot. And when I was watching this, I was like, "Wait a minute." Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Who directed that X-Files episode? Was it Kim Manners? And I looked it up and it was fucking Kim Manners. And fucking I was like, Kim fucking Man- Kim, Kim Manners. Manners. I fucking see you. Yeah. And I'll never know, of course, if this is on purpose or it was unintentional. But I like to think that it was. I like to think that it was Kim Manners throwing in. Easter egg? Putting in another little Easter egg to the mm. X-Files because the, the plots are very similar, the like the pacing is very similar, mm-hmm. and then this scene is almost identical in terms of the content, and so mm-hmm. he threw in the exact same way of filming it. And I just thought that was really cool. And I was it's like, really Kim cool. Manners, I'm never going to be out of... I see you. I see you. I don't well, know... Well, you see I... him. I, I, I semi-see him. So we now have Dean and Emily. They are in the cellar. Yep. Um, Kind of... <laughs> waiting to be sacrificed emily's yeah. very scared and confused she doesn't know what's going on and she's very she feels very betrayed you know betrayed mm-hmm. by her because she genuinely didn't know this was happening no, she genuinely she, being kept in the dark she had no idea yeah and dean is trying to figure out how to get out of this situation mm-hmm. in the meantime sam has been trying to call dean he hasn't got in touch with him yep uh their bus is there meg is trying to get him to get on the bus and ultimately sam is like nope yep I'm going to Burkittsville. I'm going to go and find what's happening with my brother. Yeah, I need I to know that he's okay. Yeah, I can't go and start my new life without not mm-hmm. first making sure my brother's okay. And Meg's face is very much just like very flirtatious and very mm-hmm. cheeky, very much like, damn you. Yeah. You dick tease, essentially. You massive dick tease. Yeah, so she gets on the bus and Dean, oh, not Dean, Sam starts to figure out how he can get back to Burkittsville. Mm-hmm. It's now night time. Uh, Emily and Dean have been tied up, ready for sacrifice. Yep. Uh, Emily is asking them why they would do this, and her aunt is telling her that it's for the greater good and the good of greater the many. <laughs> yeah, again, very, yeah. very hot fuzz. Very much hot fuzz, like the greater good. It's a great, and great that the the good of the many outweighs the good of the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what sacrifice is: is giving up what you love the most to keep everyone safe, yeah. which is. A twisted perspective on it's rough. on the idea of sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, look, no. Um, and but we get we get Moxie Dean back because he's, he's like he's mad. He's he's trying to figure it out. And Emily's like, "So do you have a plan?" He's like, "I'm working on it." And then it clearly cuts to much later that night, and she's like, "You don't have a plan, do you?" And Dean says, "I'm working on it." He's very like, just calm down, Emily. Yeah. Calm down. So Moxie Dean, we got to see a little bit of Moxie Dean come back this episode. A bit episode. of stress Dean maybe. He's like, <laughs> I have a plan. The plan is not to die. Yeah. In between, the, you know, now and not dying, mm-hmm. I'm still working on. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, Sam comes in to save the day. Sure does. Um, he starts to untie Dean and he's like, keep an eye on that scarecrow. And Sam's like, what scarecrow? And (laughs) so classic, like Dean's like, make sure you keep an eye on that scarecrow. And Sam's Mm -hmm. like, what scarecrow? And then like, it's almost like on brand, on point. Mm -hmm. Scarecrow hooks up. Yeah. So the scarecrow hooks up. They're running to get out of the field, but the townspeople are there. They've all got guns. They're like, no, you have to stay. You need to get sacrificed. It won't hurt. It won't take that long. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you haven't been sacrificed and you're just like, it won't hurt. It's like, Mm -hmm. bitch, you don't get to tell me how I feel. Yeah. But the scarecrow, the scarecrow doesn't see who is the sacrifice. No, and so they just see. He just sees 
people. And so he decides the aunt and uncle are the sacrifice. So he stabs the uncle in the chest mm-hmm. and then grabs him by his hook. There's another hook in this episode. Yep. Um, and drags him off and also drags her off into the into the orchard, presumably to murder them, and that will be the sacrifice. sacrifice. Yep. Uh, we cut to the next day and they're walking back into the orchard to find the ancient tree to burn it, the mm-hmm. one that came from – because Emily had revealed that there was a tree that they did kind of revere – that it came from the old country and yep. so it's it very was, old and very important mm-hmm. and um they go to burn it and emily says that she would like to burn it um because she's obviously realized that this idyllic place that she had been living in mm. was only idyllic because of the crimes that they had committed uh to keep the town prosperous yeah. and that it was you know ultimately murder that was keeping them safe. Them, them safe or, or keeping them, them prosperous. prosperous. Yeah. And so they burn the tree and she said, and then they pop her on a, on a bus to, to head off to presumably stay with other family or yeah. other people that she knows. And Dean turns to Sam and says, Hey, do you, where should I drop you off? And Sam says, no, I think I'm going to chill bang with you. I think I'm, I think you're stuck with me. Um, and I think, Although they're brothers, I really – they choose each other mm-hmm. at the same time. Like there's a – you know, they're, they're each other's chosen family yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, they always they always choose each other, which yeah. I think is very, very sweet. They sort of have a very sweet moment. He says that, you know, Jess and mum are gone. We don't know where dad is and all we have is each other. And Dean kind of jokes about it and is like – no, oh, hold me. That was so tender. But yes. But I like that Sam clips, claps back at him as well and is yeah. like, look, you would have died if if I hadn't come to save you. Yeah, so, calm down. So come on. And so we kind of end on this joking note with the boys. They're off on another adventure. But that's not the end of the episode. It is. No, you think it is, but it's not. Let me tell you, the first time I saw this episode when I was 17 years old and I saw the end of this episode, I lost my actual mind. Oh, same This here. was such a plot twist. Oh, it is a plot like, twist on a twist. It blew my – so we cut back to Meg. She is hitchhiking again with mm-hmm. another kind of sketchy looking dude. Uh, he asks where we're two little lady. She says, how about you pull over? And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm going like, to get a hit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to me- – oh, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gross. Gross. 100% uh, gross. And they pull over and she's like, sorry, I just have to make a call. And he's like, oh, I have a phone if you need. She's like, no thanks. So she pulls out kind of a very ornate cup or bowl and she pulls a sort of a blade out of the bowl oh, and she slits his throat and the blood pours into the bowl and she sort of swells it with her finger and is heard to speak to someone that she calls father and that she knows who clearly knows who Sam and Dean are, that Sam kind of slipped through her fingers, as it were, and she's explaining herself to this unseen presence. Mm. And that's the end of the episode. And that and, is it. And it's And weird. I love that they don't give a single clue until this point that Meg is anything other than what she presents herself to be. There's no there's no clues. Nope. All the music cues are kind of almost romantic interest cues. Yeah, she's just a she, sassy chick. She's just a sassy chick that Sam happens to meet. They 
they play it off very genuinely. You know, she they, they have genuine chemistry together and you're yep. kind of like, oh, is this like a love interest kind of thing? So I think that they played it perfectly to then have this reveal at the end is it's just mind-blowing to me. Oh, yeah. Such a good – I mean – like I said, I had a lot to say about this episode. Yeah. I still don't like scarecrows. They still still scare the literal shit out of me. It's and fair. I still hate them. But this episode, there's a lot that happens in this episode. We find out what dad is trying to chase. It's a demon. Yep. And we sort of get to the boiling point with Sam and Dean with this um, kind of non-conflict that they've been having about what the best thing to do is. We meet this character, Meg, and kind of what she – what she's about. What she's about. And not until well, not until the last second, but Yeah. And so again we've had this um dramatic irony of a reveal that they don't get to see. So we now get to see Meg's actions from the perspective and of And her potential intentions. Mm. Like, well, we don't know what her intentions are. We don't are. know what her intentions are, but we know that she is not good. Given the fact she's just bladed someone for blood. Yeah, exactly. And we also get the kind of link in with Neil Gaiman and his influence overall with the um, with supernatural Natural. in general. Yep, uh, we we get a lot in this episode, but that's the end of the episode, it's guys. The episode, guys, thank you so much for listening. Go follow us on mm-hmm. Instagram. We will talk a pod. Uh, sorry, yeah, we will talk about a pod. Follow us on Twitter. We will talk pod. Tell a friend tell a if friend. you like the show. and you Tell think a, work, that, a, a good work colleague. Yeah, tell, tell a work colleague if they would like it. Leave us a five-star rating, preferably, on iTunes um, and a review. And in the meantime, stay safe and don't EMF and drive. Exactly. Bye, guys. Bye.